0: You're listening to the Six Figure Photography Podcast, where we teach you how to grow your photography business. If you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post, visit sixfigurephotography.com. Now, here's your host, Ben Hartley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name's Ben Hartley, your host. Thank you so much for being here. If you've listened a long time, you know what's up. If this is your first time listening, the reason that this podcast exists is to help you grow your business. We do this by bringing in other
1: amazing photographers and industry experts. Occasionally, too, I go on my own little small rants as well. And so thank you for caring enough about your business uh, to be tuning in. And learning, You guys, before we dive into today's guest, it, it's he's a really good one. I, I want to ask a favor for you guys. Look, uh, if this podcast uh, has helped you, if you've appreciated anything that I've done for you guys, whether it be live videos on Facebook, this podcast, or maybe some YouTube videos, could you leave a review? It would mean the world to me. I read every single one.
0: When you do this, it helps us attract bigger name guests, which in turn results in helping you guys. Here's one that I actually wanted to highlight today. This review comes from
1: Travis. Photo, he says this fantastic podcast for starters. Thank you, Travis Photo. Fantastic podcast. I learned a ton about photography business, especially about getting more business and attracting new clients. Thank you for the wealth of information. Travis Photo, thank you for taking the time to leave a review. Seriously, my man, look, links and instructions are over at six figurephotography.com forward slash review. Or you can just pull out your iPhone and just go to the podcast app and leave a review. All right, you guys. (sighs) Yeah. Back to today's guest. I am so jazzed about this. On today's
0: episode, we have Vincent Puglisi. Look, Vincent has been a professional photographer for the past 23 years. He started out in newspaper. Like
1: He got one of his first actual sports gigs, uh, sneaking in uh, to games. Uh, he then moved in from sneaking into games to an internship with the NHL. He has now been photographed. He's photographed the Super Bowl, the World Series, the NHL Finals,
0: everything else in between. he's got an amazing book you guys called freelance to freedom you guys welcome vincent
1: vincent Paglisi, welcome to the six figure photography podcast thanks for being here man
2: thanks buddy i'm just grateful thank, honored to be here
1: yeah, for sure. Okay. I love starting out with this question. I'm from the Midwest, just hanging out here in Columbus, Ohio today. It's a, it's finally a chilly day. I'm looking forward to this fall weather. Where are you calling from? Where are we talking at?
2: Not, not far down the road. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
1: Oh man, that is like. Hey, I'm gonna be shooting an engagement session in Pittsburgh next week. Uh, I'll shoot you a text. We'll, do you know where? Can meet him. You know what? So here we go. We're just going like complete off script. <laughs> I don't know. She's asking me where should we go for engagement pictures, I'm like, I've never been to Pittsburgh before. Where should I go, Vincent? Hit me up. Oh,
2: there's there's a, 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 a we'll do that. We'll do that off the off the call. We'll do it there's, off a, it. there's so many, there's so many <laughs> options.
1: Yeah, I guess at that point the our audience that we're actually delivering value to is extremely limited. If you're in Pittsburgh and you're a wedding photographer, maybe we'd we'd be able to help you yeah. out with <laughs> that conversation. But everyone else is like, okay, get on with it, you guys. Vincent, um, this, this is really exciting to have you on the show because you have such a, a breadth to your career. I mean, a lot of times I have the opportunity to, to connect with, you know, maybe it's it's someone who is, they are a wedding photographer and they've been a wedding photographer their entire life. Or maybe they are they are a sports photographer. That's what they do. That's all they know. Um, I love the breadth that you have because I think there's going to be so much wisdom that comes from it, um, you know, to be shooting weddings for 23 years, but, but before that to be in the newspaper uh, side of things and then to go sports, I mean, all the way to the NFL, Super Bowl, it's just a really, it's a really cool thing. And I want to understand this story. And so let's, before we we dive into how you've, you've used photography yeah. to completely, um, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming like to completely change your life and to change the direction of your life. Would you say that's true?
2: Uh, without a doubt, and I never expected it. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's kind of set the framework here. You began. Well, let me ask you. Where did you begin? I began. I was. I am. So I've been shooting for 23 years. We've been shooting weddings for 14. Um, okay. But I started. Um, I was, I was really as unimpressive as you could possibly imagine. I graduated high school, I found out I graduated high school on the day before graduation. Um, my GPA was like a 1.7, I think my, my high school set an attendance policy because of me, because I cut my art class, ironically, 89 out of 92 times. Of um, all
1: the, hold on, of all the wait
2: a second, Vincent, yeah. Vincent, of all the courses of all the classes to cut, why are well, you gonna cut math, oh, had, you could have cut science. It hadn't hit me yet. I had no interest. I was, uh, uh, okay. yeah. Fair so, enough. so I, I graduated high school and everybody was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. But uh but the funny thing was like my guidance counselor said to me, she was so frustrated with me, she said, What do you want to do with your life? I said, I don't know. I said, I just know I don't want to wear a tie. Yeah. And and she got mad at me and she was like, everybody else is picking their co-. I grew up in Long Island, New York. And you know, it was very you know, college was even back late eighties was like, you had to do this. And I was like, it's just not me. Um so I went in and out of community college four or five times, dropping majors. I was, you know, did everything you can imagine. Um, kind of had a, you know, a rough early twenties, and then I was actually, believe it or not, I was, I was, I was a thief. I, I worked at a couple of jobs and I would, you know, I would steal some stuff. I had no very little. sound This is sounding bad right now, right? I, I had very. <laughs> this
1: is. Uh, I'm starting to regret having you on the show.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I mean it was it was really just rough. And what happened was, I, I I woke up in the middle of the night. I was 22 years old, and I had a, uh, I just had a nightmare that I got caught. And it was the first time in my life that I was like, what am I doing? You know, what happened? And I I said, what am I doing with my life? And I went downstairs and my dad came downstairs and we hadn't gotten along for a while. I had moved back in with my parents. It was just a rough, a rough go. And uh, he looked at me and he said, it was real simple. It was two o'clock in the morning. And he said, he said, well, you like traveling and you know, you like sports and you know, you bring your camera with you. Like, why don't you take a photography class? I mean, that's literally what he said to me. Yeah, and, this very like serendipitous
1: moment. I totally relate. Like it just kind of was like spoken out, it was breathed into the universe, and now here you are.
2: Yeah, and, and he and he walked upstairs and and, uh, and I took it seriously. And I said, Well, it sounds cool. I said I said, I'm gonna do it. I said, I've failed at everything I've ever done in my life, but um, at least if I'm gonna fail, this at least sounds cool. Sure. And, <laughs> and and that's as opposed to, you know, being whatever else it was before. That's literally how it started on, on a dime, snap of a finger.
1: And so at that point, you you've got to go and do something with this. Where did you go first? So you you take your first kind of uh, photography courses. How did you end up getting into the newspaper?
2: Yeah, um, I bought a camera the next day, um, uh, a Canon EOS, uh, just a real basic basic camera, and I took a community college course. And I just knew, I mean, I was a huge sports fan. And I said, well, wouldn't it be cool? You know, if I'm going to dream, wouldn't it be cool instead of being on the couch watching the game to be on the field, like shooting the game? That, that was my first thought. I'm like, there's no way. And I went to a friend of mine, her husband was a, ran a photo studio and I asked him his opinion. He said, don't do it. He goes, you should do this. This is safer. You can do studio work. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do studio. I don't want to do, I just didn't want to do it. Um, he said, everybody wants to be a pro sports photographer. It's impossible. So, you know, me being the way I am, I'm like, all right, I'll prove him wrong. And, uh, so I started, I started buying tickets to games like Yankees and Mets games. And I would sneak down to the front row and I would bring my camera and I would just ask the photographers in the photo well questions. So that was my first real school. I used, I used to go every night and just ask them what film they were using, how they, you know, I would look at their pictures in the paper and I will come back the next day and I would ask them how they did this or that. I did that for, for a while, for over a year, yeah. um, until I got my first internship with um, Bruce Bennett Studios, which was team photographers for the New York Rangers. So that was, that was, uh, that led into my first internship at Newsday in New York, which was a, you know, $25 a day internship, but I was being, my pictures were being seen by, you know, 600,000 people. So yeah. um, it was a really, interesting start.
1: So we jumped there pretty fast cause yeah. I want to slow down. Cause I think that, um, that, that step that you took from, um, being told, Hey, don't like pump your brakes, kid. Like you're probably safe for doing studio work. Don't do sports. To then you taking that internalizing it, drop, flipping it and reversing it, uh, and hustling, working your butt off, showing up in the games and just, so you'd, you'd go down and actually sit with the photographers and just like ask questions. And to them, was it like, you know, an, was that well received by the other photographers who were I'm, there at I'm, the events?
2: I'm sure it was pretty annoying, I would imagine. Because, sure. you know, at that point, I'm 23 or 24. I'm like, I got to get moving. Like, all my yeah. other friends have degrees and they've got jobs. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm making no money. And, and now I'm in an expensive hobby that I really, it was, I was like, I really got to make this happen. So I had a few guys that really took to me. And they, they just helped. You know, they, they would just answer the questions and it was funny because you just learn. You learn how to figure out how to beat the security guards and how to get down there. You learn how to introduce yourself. You know, so many life lessons that I learned for later on um, in terms of my career, I learned in that first step of yeah. just kind of grit. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's one of those things that like it's, uh, the thing I love about this is it took, it took Action like you like you had to get out of your house like yeah. go to these games uh you know sneak down to these areas like that's and then have the balls to actually like strike up a conversation and start asking these type of questions um you know there's you're right it's grit it's tenacity um but but it sounds like confidence came from that it gave you the tools uh and the knowledge to actually then go and do something with it
2: yeah I mean I'll never forget the one night I hadn't I had gotten an internship with the nhl with with bruce bennett and i still remember i'll never forget i went to the i went with a friend to a yankee game and i brought my camera like i always did and i was we're sitting there and i always look for no hitters i always wanted to be at a no hitter and so every game i'll go with my friends and i'd be like oh it's a no hitter after one inning and they'd be like will you shut up it's just one inning um so this one game was a no hitter after the fourth inning and dwight gooden who's you know uh, just a f- famous pitcher was pitching and I was and I said to my friends I'm like he's pitching a no hitter and then by the fifth inning I was like he's still doing it and then by the seventh inning I'm like I'm going down to the field like you guys could stay here I'm going I gotta get a picture of this if this happens so I snuck down and I got th- I used my methods and I got down to the front row and I got him throwing the last pitch and the last out and uh, you know so the picture I shot which is really a little wider shot it was him throwing the last pitch and the scoreboard in the background just all zeros just really telling the story of of the game and the next day I printed it out, and I brought it back, and I saw it was in Newsday and all the newspapers. I'm like, "I did just as well as they did. I'm like, "Oh my for a historic moment." And that was the moment like i could I could do this because i I matched it. I at least matched what they had done. and that was I remember may fourteenth I was like that's that's the night that I was like i can I can really do this,
1: yeah. So then did you use that image uh, there to, to get your internship? Uh, how did you end up actually convincing the, these guys to bring you on as an intern?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's, it's all about what, what we'll keep talking about. And, and my message, it's all about relationships. It really yes. is. When, when I got to community college, you know, I really worked hard and people took notice. And one of the professors, I didn't know this, but her husband was the director of photography at Newsday you know, the sixth largest newspaper in the country, but I didn't, I didn't know this. So by me really doing the work that I was doing and hustling and working really hard and being interested, she, um, she let him know about me. He never contacted me, but but he knew about me. So there was some event at Newsday for photography. They were introducing the photographers and showing their work. And I went to it and I, and I almost didn't do it, but I went down to introduce myself. His name was Jim Dooley. And I stopped and I'm like, no, no, I can't leave here. So I went down. I introduced myself. He said, "Yes, yeah, Sue has been telling me about you." He said, "I want to let you know we have an internship two days a week. Would you be interested?" I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" If I would have walked out the door, I never would have known about that. So yeah. I walked. And I walked down to him. I, I, you know, I got the courage to do it. And the next week, I was shooting for Newsday.
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And again, it's just like, I mean. You know, there's all the the, the thoughts out there and, and sometimes it can get wishy washy, but I really think at the end of the day it's like uh, you you attract what you put out there in the universe. And especially when you're actually when you're actually out there doing when you are put like, you're not just hiding behind. And obviously now in 2017, it's not necessarily just about hiding. I think that there's a lot can get done through social. I mean, honestly, you and I connected exactly. online. It's not like we had this, uh, these direct relationships. So I, I also understand that, but I still think there's so much power and ability to, to, to be out and to be uh, present with other humans and interacting and, and letting kind of people know what you're about and, and the direction you're going and and how moments like this can come about.
2: Oh, without it, that's why I continue to go to as many conferences as I can go to within my, because I have many different businesses now that we do, but there's nothing like, it's almost like meeting in person is the new social media, (laughs) because it's so rare now. It's like, oh, we get to sit down and, you know, eat, you know, have coffee together and talk for a couple hours. Nobody does that anymore. So when you do that, you stand out. And then all of a sudden, those jobs come to you that way. So yeah, I totally agree with you 100%.
1: So then, um, so you're, you're here with, um, with your internship with the, um, with the NHL and then where do weddings end up falling into this? Because it sounds like you were on a pretty clear path Mm -hmm. towards, uh, sports photography, maybe even, you know, going the route of commercial photography and having that be a branch to go the direction of weddings feels like a little bit of, of a of a side route. How did that happen?
2: It was. It was. I, I. So at that point, and I'll fast forward this quick. I went away to school. I went by you. I went to Ohio University in Athens for, for journalism, um, photojournalism, and that's where I met my wife. And so I was on the path to you know a newspaper staff job. That's what I was going to be. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have the the credentials to you know shoot the big games, shoot the big events. You know, in my career, I've photographed and four, four presidents. You know, all I've shot in 140 stadiums around the country at this point. Um, but at that point I was, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted the newspaper gig. So I went in there and I, you know, happened to win a big award, which got, you know, Elizabeth and I both got hired in Evansville, Indiana for a newspaper there. So that was our path. Um, and the, with the crazy thing that happened after a couple of years, I had won international sports photographer of the year, which was like the biggest award that I could win. And this is some yeah. small little paper in Indiana. Right. And so what happened was we had our first baby on the way. And everybody's like, okay, you have a baby on the way, you win this award, now you're going to get your pay increase. Because I was only making $32,000 a year. And I went to the office and they said, nobody's getting a raise this year, you're getting one though, you're getting 3% for everything you've done. And I was like, <laughs> 3%. And so that was the end of it. That was literally when I didn't quit, but I said, I can't live like this. Like We have a baby on the way and I, I can't, my wife wanted to stay home with our kid and it was really panic time. And I went home and I called my dad 10 years after that last comment that he made about my career. And he said to me, he goes, and it was the most important thing that I've ever learned probably in life in terms of business. And he said, okay, he goes, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you have this talent. Everybody loves your work, but you're settling for $32,000 a year in a newspaper. You could be doing wedding work. You could be doing commercial work. You're settling for this and you're not using it well. That was so impactful to me. Um, and we, that day we started our wedding business. <laughs> yeah. In a panic.
1: <laughs> I bet. Um, so this will be now that, like I, I know we're spending a lot of time here um, focused on how you've gotten to where you are. But again, I, I really want to do that because of. Again, the wisdom that you have, the career that you've lived, the breadth of your work, um, I think there's a lot to be learned from you. And so forgive me if there's so much to be gained now oh. in the present, but I'm like, man, there's so much that I want to know. So, so now, was that, did that feel like starting over? I mean, how did you then open up shop and start shooting weddings? What did you do to get your first
2: uh, clients? Well, it first felt like selling out. Because that was like, oh. that's what it first felt like. It was like, because you see, I see so many new wedding photographers coming in over the last five years, especially. It's unbelievable, yeah. which is phenomenal in terms of what they're able to do. But I don't think anybody, I don't think any of them at back then, this is 2005 and, and before, in our career, it was really looked down on. Like, you're not being a wedding photographer. Like, what a sell, just for the money. You're sell, like, As a public, what, what about your work? And what we learned was you know, we're journalists, we tell stories, you know, very kind of arrogant about that. And then I realized with our first wedding, I told more of a story with that wedding than I'd done at the newspaper in a while. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, we get, these people are hiring us and we took our approach from the weddings from the beginning. We're not doing it like everybody else. We're going to tell a full story. We, we don't do very many portraits. We do, you know, the family portraits and a little bit, but everything else is a story start to finish. Um, yeah. so that, that's so that was our approach going. We knew even before we started our business what we wanted it to look like, which was really good for us um, to have that focus. But our it really started just like my sports thing started really grassroots, just introducing ourselves to people. Um, the first couple of weddings we did for next to nothing or nothing just to build up the portfolio. And then word of mouth just started going. The more we got out there, we booked 25 weddings in our first year, our first full year. Yeah. Um, the second year we were at 30, we were, we were making, we're, I mean, it's so apropos with your podcast. We were making six figures in our second year in business. And, um, that just continued, um, on that way. That's how, that's how it started.
1: And so then what did this do for your family life? Cause it sounds like, uh, by second, I mean, the first full year that you were in business. Is, it sounds like it was, if I can align the time frame up, it also sounds like it'd be the first year that, well, you're when you're, yeah. was it, did you ever have, have a daughter or, or a little boy? No, we've
2: three boys we have. It would be a little uh, boy. Andrew was born. Little yeah. boy. Okay, so, nice.
1: he, so when you were having your son then, it born. sounds like that was the year that things were taken off with your wedding photography business as well, correct?
2: Yeah, it was insane. And so
1: what did that do for your life? I mean, to, to be able to, did your wife uh, stay back home then at that point?
2: Yep. Yeah, we decided at that point, and, and a, a big decision we made, and this might be able to help some people, we, we really got a clear focus and we said, okay, we're going to live off of my salary at the newspaper. We're not quitting my job. This is crazy to quit our job. We don't know how the weddings are going to go yet, but yes. we're going to live off of that and we're going to use all of our wedding money, no matter what it is, and we're going to pay off our debt. And we're going to get debt free and we're going to quit these jobs and we're going to have a life of freedom. That's yep. what that's what we wrote. We wrote that to ourselves. And we said, 10 years from now, we want to just have the choices that we want. We want to be able to travel as a family. We want no money. Worry. We didn't care about wealth, but we just wanted no money worries and we wanted freedom. Yes. So as poor as we were, that was our focus. Yeah. I love that.
1: And I think that's, uh, you, you literally wrote that down, huh?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we did. We wrote yeah. it down. So what happened was three and a half years later, by doing that, we had paid off everything, including our house.
1: Yeah. Man, that's wild!
2: And we quit our jobs like it was nothing. I was like,
1: okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that there's um, there's the I'm going to say romanticized view of being an entrepreneur, which is what we are, right? Or solopreneur, an artist uh, to to quit your job, right? To go full time. And I think that it is it is a great dream, and it's one that is worth it, and it's one that you've done, and then I've done, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the I think that the process and the kind of romanticized rush to get there is something that we also need to be practical with. I think, uh, the practical advice is one that you've just given. And it's the same thing that I did. Like while you're, I look, there's a, there's a amazing entrepreneur, Gary V. Mm-hmm. If you get familiar with Gary, oh, yeah. so Gary talks a lot about how, while you, while you, uh, while you have your main dish, right? say you got a dinner plate in front of you, you got your main dish, you got your steak. Um, enjoy that steak, but be building your side dishes at the same time, yep. right? Don't just ditch the steak and go all in on your side dish, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and that's the same thing when when we were building Style and Story Creative. I built that. It wasn't my main dish at the time. It was a side. Like I was working as a graphic designer uh, full time and the exact same thing, Vincent, just paying off student loans, building up... Um, uh, like just the the brand that we were going to have, so when, when it came time to jump, we could jump with with great, with great freedom. Yep, and 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 less fear. Like it's scary. Like. Starting a photography business, but it's far less scary when you start a photography business uh, when you don't have debt over your shoulders, and you have that kind of steady income that you can be a little risky. You can try some things. You could raise your, um, you could
2: raise your prices
1: easily. Raise your prices rapidly, rapidly, rash and change. And then when it doesn't work out, you can change back. Right. Um, this is, I think, a really great formula. And look. Uh, it sounds like you were working um a pretty great job and at the time I was working a, a decent job as well, right? But it doesn't have to be. Like, no. look at the end of the day, you like before I um just to kind of rewind for a hot second, when I graduated college, I had nothing. I didn't know what to do. And so I started I got serving jobs, right? Mm-hmm. As a waiter. I did <laughs> tell I was too. Yeah, I started the photography business as well, and then I also pursued this graphic design job. Well, I ended up getting the full time design job, and so that became the the main uh, source of income. That was a great little income while I built my photography business. But but pay attention because if that didn't happen, if I didn't get that job, I would have done the same thing. It just would have been waiting tables, right? And you can do that. Like I think it's I think it's uh, honorable to go out. And get a serving job, and wait tables, and bartend, and nanny, and do whatever you can to get that income in the door while you're building your photography studio, while you're paying off debt, while you're you're thrashing and testing and learning. Um, I think it's incredibly honorable, and so don't let anybody tell you like you're a waiter, no. you're a bartender. You're, you're nannying. No, hell yeah, you are like, and you're doing it with great pride because you're, you're building something that you can uh, dive into. Sorry about my rant. No, no, <laughs> no it's, it's
2: beautiful because my best stories come from those times. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not inspired. Like I love Gary Vee, like even like Tony Robbins. I love it, but I'm more inspired by how he got from $38,000 to where he's at in yeah. short, you know, in those first couple of years than I am by anything he's doing now. There, yeah. There's a, there's a point where you, where I kind of go, I love, you got to embrace the struggle. Um, there's so much of that that like those, I mean, these are the stories we're talking about. It's like, there's only so much of like just luxury. You can, I I don't know, there's nothing wrong with it, but man, I just love the idea that you can tell somebody, you can explain to them, this is, you're going to appreciate these times that you do because it makes you who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest problem right now I see, and I coach on this, um, is the problem. Everybody wants a quick fix. Everybody wants it now. How do I build this? I need this money now. And and I was interviewed on a podcast. And I was asked that if you need to get a fifteen hundred dollars job by next week, what would you do? And I said the first thing I would do is I would I'd find a way to get that job. But what I, more importantly, I would figure out why this happened and wh- how I don't do it again. Sure, it's not about the money. It's about learning and growing from this. So just having that stick to itiveness to keep going is is so vital. Yeah,
1: yeah, man. So then. Okay, let's keep moving forward. I like this. We kind of had a nice little rabbit trail there. That was uh, that was amazing. Uh, I hope more of them come about. So now, okay, I'm I'm reading about you. I'm seeing other podcast interviews done. I'm I'm checking out the book that you're putting together here, and I'm seeing. Um, you photographed the Super Bowl. Like, how do you end up now, you' you're you're photographing weddings. Are you continuing uh, to to stay in kind of the
2: sports world as you're building your wedding photography business? You know, that was that was my dream. Like, I shot the Super Bowl when I worked for the newspaper. and that was another <sighs> it, it was another thing of the hustle. It's kind of like I got to this newspaper and they never covered professional sports. But we're sitting in this area between St. Louis, Indianapolis, Nashville, and Cincinnati. And I'm like, does anybody ever cover these games? And they're like, No, nobody nobody cares. So okay. So I'm like, if I get credentials, would you publish them? And they're like, Sure, why not? You know, so I'd go on my days off and I would go to Saint Louis and I would go to, you know, um I would go up to, up to Indianapolis to cover the Colts. So I covered the Rams, and I was fortunate. That was back when the Rams were, like, the best team in the league. So I'd, I'd go out every Sunday on my day off, and I'd cover the games. And then all of a sudden, they're in the playoffs, and I'm covering the playoffs. And then they win the championship game, and I'm like, wait a second. You know, it's the Super Bowl. So I, e- I put in credential for the Super Bowl, and they emailed me back, and they were like, we gave you a reporter's cred- credential, but we can't give you a photo credential. And I called them back. I'll never forget. Driving back from St. Louis, I'm like, I need a field photo pass for the Super Bowl. I shot every game. I need to be on the field. Yeah. And I will never forget. It was a guy from the NFL. I like, give him this demand. And he says, Okay, one field photo for the Super Bowl. Okay, you're in. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, I just I just demanded it and they gave it to me because yeah. I had worked. So then I'm in New Orleans, you know, when you two played the halftime show after 9-11, and you know, I'm 10 feet from Bono and I'm shooting Tom Brady win his first Super Bowl. And I'm like, How in the world did this happen? Yeah. Uh, and so i shot two, I've shot, you know, Stanley Cup final this year. Um, so that happened first, and my dream was to shoot in every stadium, and that was my biggest fear of leaving the newspapers, I was gonna lose those credentials. But after I left, I was able, with relationships like we talked about, to build mm-hmm. it all back up again, and I shoot for a variety of different agencies for the last seven years.
1: That's fantastic. There's um, there's an amazing photographer uh, up in Canada. Um, and. Uh, uh, Oh my God. I seriously, I just blanked on her name. Now I'm going to try to like, uh, <laughs> up. I can't like, I, she was, it was like right there, man. Oh. Um, uh, and so I'll, I'll start explaining and then, um, and then, uh, I'll, I'll connect the dots here, but anyhow, she, uh, uh, I heard her speak um, at mystic seminars and she had the chance to, uh, to talk all about the power of just ask the mm-hmm. power of asking. Um, and, uh, it's just one of those things that, like, you weren't you weren't given that, and you called back and you asked for it. You're like, I I I would like this. But the, <laughs> I think there's such power in asking for things.
2: The key I learned is th- there's such a f- delicate balance because I know a lot of people that ask. I mean, think about somebody like they friend you on Facebook and then they say like like my page. I'm like, no way. Yes. Like, I don't yeah. even know you. So, but they're asking, but they didn't build a relationship first. And I, I, I couldn't just call the NFL that Sunday night and say, give me a pass. I had to, yeah. I had to develop the relationship and do the work first. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a real, see, I am all for asking, but I think there's a really fine line between asking too soon and, yep. and not doing the work beforehand
1: or asking, by the way, it's Jennifer Moher. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was uh, giving a shout out to her, but, um, thank you. I'm like over here Googling and <laughs> um, I can't believe it. Blanked. Anyhow, no. But it's um, to to your point too. It's it's asking, but it's also giving more than you ask, right? Yes. yes. Uh, and so being a person who is giving, 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 and then actually believing that you're deserving enough to ask. I think so often, you know, we we do give and we do show up, um, but then we shortchange ourselves and we we kind of believe this self-limiting belief that we are undeserving. Of, of the opportunity to ask. Or we we, oh, we we answer the question for us. We're just like, nah, they're just gonna tell me no. I'm just not gonna do it. Um, so,
2: yeah. No, you're absolutely right. The, the whole limiting beliefs thing is huge, especially in this business. It's like, I don't know if I'm worth, and then it's like, why is somebody else worthy, but you're not? Yeah. And like, I don't know. like Because they made it happen. Like, just, you have to go make it happen. It, it really does work every single time. Because and, and what you just mentioned was so important, which is giving more than you asked for and nice. i and i say that to, even with our kids they're 12 10 and 6 i was like before you ever ask for anything give more than you'd ever expect back before yep. you do that it's very easy to do you know cuz it's like if you become a giver you know for, like for instance i wanted to shoot lebron james i wanted to photograph him with the heat before and they were going to the finals and i was like how do i don't have a connection for it but my friend Brian Franey, he's an a ESPN producer. Well, for years, we've gone back and forth. You know, I got him into a Broadway show with my brother just because he was there. And, you know, I just thought like that. So it came time. It was two days before the game. And I was like, I was like dude, do you need a, a photographer for the game? Game five in Indy? He goes, come on down. It's past waiting for you. That's how simple it was. But it yeah. never would have happened without all that relationship and connection and giving before that. Yeah.
1: So then you do a lot of this, right? You do some coaching. You do some one-on-one coaching, uh, helping helping uh, photographers grow in their business and and learn from the things that you've encountered, right? To gain from your experiences, uh, and to do the same for themselves. So what are, what are some of the big, you know? Now we're kind of going down this this trail of, um, uh, it's almost like fundamental beliefs in life that. Uh, they're, they are a little bit black and white. They're like fundamental beliefs that are core to to your success and, and to others around you. Yep. What are some of the, um, uh, maybe the biggest um, <sighs> difficulties that you encounter as, as you're connecting with other photographers, as you're looking back on your own career, some of the biggest hurdles to overcome when moving from, you know, working a part-time job to to taking your
2: photography career full-time? It's a great question. Um, impatience and quitting are like I, I learned a lesson early on, I was probably nineteen ninety eight, I shot for the Associated Press. I wanted to shoot for the Associated Press and I would call in New York City and I would call them every week to get an appointment to show them my portfolio. I physically had to bring in a portfolio at that point. There was no website. And every time I would have the meeting they would say, Oh, he had Jonathan Elmer was the editor, he had to cancel. This happened six weeks in a row. And then I called again. And then finally, I had a meeting. I got the Rockefeller Center, got there, and I sat down in his office. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, "Vincent, he said, I want to thank you for your patience and your persistence. Because without either of those, we wouldn't be here." Hmm. And I, I've lived by that ever since. So I have so many people come into me, and even within coaching, they want this thing really quickly, or they want to build this thing, but. They don't have the patience to see it through like we're talking about. And generally, the, they will quit without the right guidance within a couple of months or a year. Like all of a sudden, it's like a year later, like what happened? Like, oh, it wasn't good enough or they quit. If you have patience and you have persistence, you will beat everybody. You will consistently beat everybody. And that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned and I, and I enjoy teaching because it really takes its constant effort to do that.
1: Yeah. I feel like um, I'm just kind of – even as you talk about those two things, um, patience and um, – you said per- persistence. persistence Is that yeah. You, yeah, patience and persistence. I think it's one of those things too that um, they feel a little like um, – <sighs> There's uh, it pulls up both ends a little bit because patients, uh, I think some people get too, too patient or maybe complacent, right. Where they, they sit back and, and hope that, you know, well, it'll, it'll come to me next year, right? Like it'll work out in the end. I'm going to hold my breath and, you know, and, and they would describe that as patience and, and I think it's, it's that it's that combination. It's the double pack of like it's patience but it's, it's It's like persistence and it's grit in the patients. It's putting in all of the, the, the daily steps. Right Every Absolutely. single day it is like continually persisting and failing and, and keep moving forward with this larger patience in mind. It's like macro patience um micro
2: uh persistence and grit and tenacity in showing up. does that make sense? It does because it, it really it's i don't it's like tuning a guitar it's like it just it, it has to be right at that spot because, like you said, you could be way too patient and oh, I'll write that book next year or two I'm being patient, but you're yes. not getting anything done. But you also see the other side, persistent. It's those annoying people that it's just, you know, they're constantly pounding you. It's like, leave me alone. Like that's that's persistent, but it's not. But you have to really tune it between the both of them. And I try to say all the time to be content because you want to be happy where you are now. You don't want to be that miserable person, but be content, but not satisfied. And if every day you are content, but not satisfied, you are going to be happy where you're at, but you're always pushing forward. Everybody's like what about like retirement they talk about like retirement like it's a good thing i don't see it as a good thing when i'm 92 i'm going to be working on something because i want to keep growing like when you stop doing stuff you start dying and so i i don't believe in this whole like i want to get to a certain spot i just want to keep growing and keep getting better no matter what it is and that comes down to both of those things patience and persistence being content but not satisfied yeah, for sure.
1: So have things changed? I mean, when when you went uh, full-time uh, with wedding photography, um, you said it was 14 years ago. Where do you see the industry now? And, and is it the same struggles, right? If someone uh, was is going from part-time and they're trying to go full-time with wedding photography or with like whatever photography it may be, mm-hmm. um, do you see the world as a different place now, especially within the photography industry? Or are there just universal truths that... Uh, it's not that different. What's your perspective on that?
2: I think in a lot of ways, it's not that much different. And I'm going to be hypocritical, but at the same time, it is so completely different than when we started. <laughs> um, I think the things that we're talking about are consistent. They will, they will be relevant 20 years, 40 years from now. Um, these type of long-held truths. But in terms of the business, I think it's easier now than it ever has been because of connection possibilities. But I think people don't do it the right way. Um, and I think they struggle. I think money is a huge part of it and people don't pay attention to it. I, the first thing, if you notice in our story, was we didn't really worry too much about anything except let's get our money together because we knew if we got our money together and we got rid of our debt like you were talking about, we were gonna have such an advantage over everybody else. And I think in this culture where there's so hard to delay gratification, everybody's in this perpetual wheel of new gear and new this and never getting to where you control your money because, like you said, when you control your money, you can raise your prices. You can turn down clients you don't want. We got to take complete control over our business when we did that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot of the same and a lot different.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: So now you've taken all this
1: this knowledge and you've been you've been writing the story down. You've been writing the story from beginning to end and, and how you've gone from the side jobs, the freelance jobs, to now the life that you live. Um, it's called Freelancer Freedom, right? Yeah. Tell us about the, the process behind and even how, why you decided to write this book.
2: Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, what happened was, you know, we had about four, we had moved to Pittsburgh from Indiana. We had pretty much built this thing that everybody was like, how did you do this? And we'd be like, ah, you know, we're, we're humble. Like, ah, we wouldn't talk about it very much. But I always took notes. I always wrote stories down. I have a good memory, fortunately. And we had this dream to like take months off at a time and just travel with the kids, you know, like to do the life that we wanted. So we did that. We took November, December off a couple of years ago and we went to Texas. We went to Padre Island and we just were on the beach and I was anxious. I was, something was not right. And my wife said to me, she goes, okay, I'm taking the kids to the beach. I want you to go to the coffee shop and start writing your book. I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. That's what she said. <laughs> and I said, okay, because so many people had asked me, would you write, if you wrote this down, I would read it. I said, really? I said, why would anybody care? Like, just like we talked about limiting beliefs. And uh, so I started writing it then and everything just rolled. I just started writing every day And within seven months, I had the manuscript written. I fortunately had you talk about connections and relationships. I was in a mastermind group, and I was being coached. And through that group, I got a book publisher within 19 days. Uh, Got signed and everything. Normally, they said you'll get rejected over and over. Um, So that it came about just from all the stories and people wanting to know how we did this, because so many, whether it's photography or anything entrepreneurial based, um people wanted to know about this. So I felt, you know, a friend of mine said it's your obligation to write this. So I took that seriously.
1: Yeah. Incredible. What are some of the um if you could if you could take like not even you know the the chapter paragraphs, but even break the book down into like let's say quarters. Yeah. Right. How how would you let yeah, this is a fun exercise. You know, I'm sure your book has more than four chapters. Um and so if you could break it down into four or even just two what would those? What would the, let's go with four? What would those chapters be called? Like, I'm I'm curious. Like the the kind of maybe the high level takeaways.
2: Well, the the main thing. I mean, there's there's a lot. It's it's kind of written Seth Godin style without his quality of writing. Where <laughs> don't come on no. No, I mean, he's my. I, he, I mean, I got his. He endorsed the book, which I was just like stunned by. Yeah. Um, but his his. But it's very kind of almost blog. Like it's not written in. It's it's page and a half stories. And a lot of things that yeah. like we talked about, like you know, like patience and persistence is one of them. A main one for me was being better than yesterday. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing for me because I struggled, I think like so many people that are listening with overwhelm. You know, I have a million things to do and I don't have enough time to do it and I don't feel like I'm doing it well. And when I finally realized if I could just be better than yesterday, I don't need to book 20 clients this week. I just need to reach out to five people today. That's all I need to do. If I do you know, I don't need to be in the, you know, run a marathon. I just need to go to the gym. Just need to be better than yesterday. And it when I did that, it took away all of my future worries. Because I'm like, no, I just gotta, you know, I'm gonna live in an airtight one day compartment every day of my life. And if I could do that, you get rid of all this. So that was a huge one for me. Um, But I broke it down. You say in terms of chapters, the second half of the book is phases. And it's basically phase one through five. And phase one is where most people are. It's just 80% of the workforce is unhappy with their jobs. And they're not in good money shape. And they are stressed out. And uh, so that's phase one. Phase two is basically this, like starting your side hustle. Phase three is optimizing it. Where now, like you talked about, you're getting better rates. You're, you're' you're freeing up time. The main thing was in phase four, you not only get you know you not only get money freedom, you get time freedom, but most importantly, you get mental freedom. And when you have mental freedom is when all these great ideas come up. That's when you think about a podcast, right? That's when you think about yeah. all these other things. The mental freedom for us was huge because it started us, and I don't want if, I, if I'm rambling on, let me know. This is but, great. I love it. Keep going. Because the mental freedom, I never, I was always asked, like, how do you take, you know, great sports photographs? Like people, parents would always ask me. I'm like, I'm not teaching this. You know, I'm not going to go to a school and teach this. Um, but in phase four, when I was in it, I got to go to a mastermind retreat, and I met a guy named Kyle Schultz who run a thing runs a thing called Schultz Photo School. He teaches parents how to take better pictures of their kids. Yeah. So he explained his business, and then I explained my career in sports photography. And we looked at each other, and I said to him, I said, I said, I have an idea. And he said, yes. I said, you don't even know what the idea is. <laughs> and, and he said, go, go ahead and tell me. And I said, I should do a sports photography course for your school. He goes, that's exactly what I was thinking. He's like, let's do it. So we wrote this course last year. We worked on it together. We filmed it. And the craziest part about it, and this is phase four and phase five. This gets you to phase five, which is absolute freedom, which is money, time, location, freedom. Is we launched this course. And when I worked for a newspaper, I made $32,000 a year working 200 and something days a year using the same skills. I took those same skills mindset, put it into a course, and we made $32,000 in a day. Yeah. And so that's, but if I was stressed on time, if I was stressed on money, the, the, the idea is none of that would have happened. I would have kept working for that assignment, that next assignment.
1: Yep. And that's, I mean, that's, uh, I love that that aspect. And there's even like the micro-instances, the micro-instances of that, that kind of thought process and that belief and those action steps that take place early. It's like um, outsourcing your work, you know, like that's what allows uh, probably in phase four and, and three, like to, for those growth to occur and, and to start accelerating. It's not complete freedom, but it's like, I don't have to worry about editing my work anymore. Yep. And so it allows your brain to start thinking more about your strategy and, and pricing model, uh, you know what I mean? And so you just keep moving those things uh, little by little, you know, and, and you don't one day just wake up and, and become something that you haven't already been becoming. It's like those small steps, uh, is what bring you there.
2: I love it. Absolutely. And like, like Seth Godin taught me where in terms of freelancing, the problem with freelancing is you always hire the cheapest freelancer and that cheapest freelancer is always you. You will always be the one that will do the web, the web design, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. And that's what takes away all of your future success.
1: Yep. Yep. Vincent, I'm excited. I'm so I'm actually this is I'm this is not lip service. This is not me just like being a good like podcast host and like repping. You know what you're doing. I'm literally excited to go check out your book. Thanks, man. Uh, and and I just I love your storytelling. I, I love the life that you've uh, you've created for yourself and your family and and with your family. I'm sure it's not an isolated thing. And so uh, I'm excited to to learn from you, man. And this is really cool. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Where can people find i more about
2: you, your book, your work. Where can they get you online? Yeah, the book's being published January 2nd. It's on Amazon, anywhere you can find. I'd love to do a giveaway um, for your guests yeah. if that's cool. Dude, um, let's do it. I love it. All right. Well, I'm getting my first shipment of books in, believe it or not. I am like stoked. I got my first 10, so i have on the bookshelf. Um, but I'm getting my first full shipment in. I would love to give 20 books away. Yeah. Is that cool? Dude. Yeah. It's so cool. All yeah. Right. Let's Dude, do it. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a link for that. There's two things. There's that. And I wrote a thing cause that's the question I've been getting mostly this year is how did you turn, you know, that career into something that makes 32,000 into 32,000 in a day. So I took tips from the book and the top 10 tips that I've learned. I put together a PDF document, um, top 10 tips I learned from going from 32,000 in a year to in a day. So I will give that to everybody. will get that. If they sign up for it for the book, the book drawing, if, if that's cool. Nice. Yeah, that's that's more than cool. Um, and then uh, Vincent website. Uh, Vincent, uh, like it's like it's easy to pronounce, but vincentpuglisi com. I'll send you the link because <laughs> I, I really super easy. I nailed it that's the first right. time you and I talked. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Uh, Vincent, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Just so everyone knows, look, we're going to have all those links down below for you guys. Uh, and so make sure you check out the show notes uh, to enter to win uh, one of Vincent Puglisi's book, Freelance to Freedom. Uh, he's given 20 away. That's rad, uh, as well as the top 10 tips uh, to go from 30 to- 32,000 a year to 32,000 a day. Uh, Vincent, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your passion, your stories. I appreciate thank you, you man. man. This was awesome.
2: so appreciate it.
0: Of course. Bye. Bye. The thing I love about Vincent's story, you guys, is we got to see the full picture from like day one, all the the way to where he's gotten. Uh, Now,
1: I I just hope that this episode has been inspiring to see the hustle, to see the intentionality, to see what relationships can do, what showing up can do. Um, You guys, thank you so much for listening. Look, I have one last request for you, my amazing listeners. Look, I'm working hard over here to to create uh, genuine, authentic, dynamic content for you guys to help you grow your business. And one of the ways, one of the platforms that I'm currently working on is is trying to do this more Over on Instagram and I would love, uh, I would love to see that channel grow. I haven't put a ton into it, but I'm putting in a ton in now going Instagram live, making video content for you guys there. So if you could give me a follow, uh, over at J Ben Hartley, the letter J J Ben Hartley on Instagram is where it's all going down. I will see you there in the DM. thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of the SFP podcast or in the DM of Insta. Bye.